You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Morning, welcome to the show. Friday the 27th of October. Rather grey morning here in TW11. Weather watch today, Doncaster. Abandoned this afternoon. Are they going to go ahead tomorrow for the Cameco Futurity, the last uh, Group 1 race of the domestic season? Uh, I'll be talking to Paul Barker, the clerk of the course, in just a few moments' time with the update on that. Uh, First of all, though, uh, Breeders' Cup plans are firming up all the while. We've spoken already this week about how the turf the mile and a half turf could be one for the ages if they all show up. And really, the question we've been asking ourselves since Ascot last Saturday is, will champion stakes hero King of Steel rock up in the turf or perhaps even in the classic for which he's double pre-entered? Uh, what's the latest on that? Uh, Kia Jarabshan's becoming this podcast equivalent of Shirley Williams on Question Time, but I, I make no apology for having him on again uh, to give us this update on what's up with King of Steel. We've been, you know, monitoring him all week. Um, I've spoken to Roger almost every day. I went to see him this week, uh, King of Steel. And to be honest, Roger, you know, every day has said the same thing to me. He said, yeah, I can't fault him. He's in great shape. Um, he's come out of the race really, really well. And, um, you know, Roger would always err on the side of precaution. Um but he is very, very happy with him. So he's going to travel today um, to 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 Santoni Ten. Well, fingers crossed, he gets there well and good, and uh, he should be running. And I'd say most probably the turf, um, but we haven't ruled anything out yet. Okay, so he still has that that classic option. Uh, if if you wanted to take it up, what would be the deciding factors? You're pretty pretty clear now on what the fields are going to look like. Yeah, I mean, Nick, I think the reality is, you know, Roger and his team probably feel much more comfortable on the turf right now. And I think as a three-year-old, we would edge towards the turf. Um, you know, he's... He's never really run on the dirt at the moment. Um, so the only really factor would be um, if he gets out the gate a little bit slower because he's not used to the speed of the Americans getting out the gate and sits at the back, he'd, he'd get a lot of dirt in his face, wouldn't he? So, I mean, you know, we're not sure if he that lack of experience on dirt would affect it. So that's edging us more towards the turf. Right, there's a small matter of the jockey as well, who is 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 booked in the in the in the classic on Zandon and is going to ride your horse in the in the turf. How many others are you likely to run? The jockey, the jockey's good. He's arrived there yesterday. He sent me a video of himself mm. working out. He's on good form, you know. So, you know, um, the jockey's in good shape. There's no problem with him at the moment. Um, we're running another two from uh, the UK, Valiant Force, who won the Norfolk and Cuban Thunder. Um, and we're running one in America called Omaha Girl. So we'll have a total of four. Okay. And can you give me any hope for those? I would say Valiant Force has got a pretty 
solid chance, hasn't he? Um, Adrian Murray's horse who won the won the Norfolk. Valiant Fools is a very, very solid chance. Um, you know, we're going out there. I mean, uh, we're going out there with a lot, a lot of hope for him. Uh, he, he's only won race since the Norfolk was in France, and I think the ground really got him there. Um, Valiant is a, you know, he's American bred, and he just loves that soft, soft solid ground there, really. Um, he's Malibu Moon, and he just loves it. And I think that track in Santanita is going to be just ideal for him. Um, Who's going to ride him, Keir? William Buick. William Buick rides him. And Cube, Cuban Thunder's going to run in the dirt race, isn't he? In the Juvenile Dirt? Cuban Thunder. Cuban Thunder's going to run in the Juvenile Dirt. He ran a great race in the listed. I mean, I think what happened with him was, unfortunately, him and Bacanero took each other on a little bit. Um, and the tactic didn't quite work the way that we thought so in in the Cara. Um, but we really like him, the way he works the way he's, you know, the way he's been. And uh, he's definitely a one-miler. And we definitely think, you know, well, Adrian and Robson think he's a, he's a dirt horse, really. So um, we're going to give that one a crack. I think that's probably a little bit of an unknown. Omaha girl, she is, you know, um, Umberto will ride her. And she's done a, an amazing... Um, campaign out there we have a lot of hope for her we think she's going to be right up there I think you know King of Steel obviously if he you know all going well and he runs um, I think between King of Steel and Valiant and Omaha Girl we really feel we've got very very good chances and Cuban is a little bit of an unknown and this is probably Cuban or winners <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what that, that, that's what the event can do. But if you don't have a go, you'll never know. I, I one final question I wanted to, to ask you um, after after watching um, Brian Toomey uh, uh, announce that he'd taken out his trainer's license on uh, like on Sunday at the weekend. What did you do? Well, it was interesting. Um, I think I was supposed to be on your show, and unfortunately, I. You know, we uh, I miss that, and um, there were a lot of. To be fair, there were a lot of people who overslept on Sunday morning. Funnily enough, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was feeling a little bit groggy on Sunday Sunday morning. I must say, it was one of the highlights of my racing um, career. So there's no question about that. The day and uh, watching the, the interview show, so Brian, and then two days ago, yes, day before yesterday. Um, he actually gave me a call. He actually sent me a message. Um, there was a horse of Alice Haynes's that was going through the ring that he really liked, and um, he said, "Hi, you know, this is this is who I am." And of course, I remembered him right away from your show. And you know, I like to give young people a chance. Um, I did that. You know, I was one of the first guys at George Bowie's. I was one of the first guys at Alice Haynes's. You know. Um, Dave Lockland, a lot of the riders, you know, when we took Rossa, he was just an apprentice at Hannans, etc. So I do like to give a lot of young people a chance. And I thought to myself, well, you know, why not just give him the horse and let him train it and see how he can do. And, and that's what we did. So, yeah, he's got one of ours. He's picking him up today. And uh, fingers crossed, I think, you know, if we can help him get a leg up and 
you know, get his get his training skills growing. That would be great. Well, that's a, a nice story to end with. Um, Kia, thank you, and look forward to seeing you in California. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Nick. Well, joining me to discuss that and the rest of today's news is Cornelius Lysett. A quick turnaround for King of Steel, uh, greenlit there by Kia Jurabshan, which, for those of us who love this event, is is great news. Well, those are the two magic words, aren't they? Quick turnaround. If you're going to get stuck in, if you're really looking forward to uh, this particular race, you've, you've got to bear that in mind. But what, what an absolutely thrilling race uh, that is. You know, as with all these things on uh, Champion State, there does tend to be a big old headline, and there was a massive headline this time with Frankie. But there was so many, there were so many other good things on that day, and King of Steel was right at the top of that list of uh, so many other good things. Just before we we park this for the moment, uh, mm. if if all these horses show up that we believe will August Rodin, King of Steel, round three, is it for them? Um, or four, I think, isn't it? Because they met in the King George as well, of course. Uh, Mostardaf uh, stepping up, back up in trip to a mile and a half. Ernesto, who stormed home to finish third in the arc. Of those four key European horses, which one do you think will come out on top? Mostardaf has those credentials and goes there definitely fresh, having not gone to Ascot. So maybe slight, uh, slight leaning towards that one. We know August Rodan doesn't always... Uh, come up with the goods. You know, I'm I'm not sure that the European challenge is as numerically enormous as sometimes it is, but it's really strong, and it'll be really strong and fascinating in the in the Breeders' Cup turf. Right onwards, Doncaster abandons today, hoping for racing tomorrow. What's the latest? Clark of the course at Doncaster, which is hoping to stage the Group One Cameco Futurity. Paul Barker, uh, this is what he had to say a few moments ago. Yeah, obviously we abandoned this morning uh, following uh, rain last night. Um, we're currently moving some rail to cover the area that was the challenge this morning. Um, so hopefully when I walk later at three o'clock that we've we've covered that and then and I'll be able to give a bit more of a positive uh, um, result sort of thing by half three this afternoon. So really, is it a simple question of if the weather plays ball, you should be okay? Yeah, that's simply it now. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 in the hands of the, the weather gods as ever, um, and if it stays dry, um, we we should be fine. Yeah, we just we just need a, night, a dry night really. What's the best forecast telling you? The best forecast is a misty, drizzly sort of day um, and a dry night. Um, there's a few others are showing a, a little bit of rain about, which which we don't really want. Okay. Uh, but yeah, if we go up by the best one, we, 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 we'll, we'll be reasonably confident, yeah. And just to revisit what Mark and I were speaking about earlier in the week, we've got the Newcastle contingency plan if this is off tomorrow. Uh, and we weren't quite sure when that would be. Have we got any clarity on that yet? No, no I don't think it has. I know Newcastle race next Friday. Um, we'll, we'd want to put it on as quick as we can. But obviously, we'll have to speak to the BHA. Um, and, and, and see whether the, where it can be hosted and when they can host it at Newcastle if it went there. All right, Paul Barker there, the clerk of the course at Doncaster. It's pretty straightforward, this, isn't it, Cornelius? You know, forecast is correct. You're okay. Get a rogue shower or two. It's good night and off to Newcastle probably next Friday. It would be great, wouldn't it, if it took place at Doncaster, uh, an important part of the calendar at Doncaster, an important part of the calendar for ARC as well. Midweek, the noises seemed to be pretty optimistic. Everything was going to be okay. But the fact is, of course, everyone's optimistic and you you want it to take place. But 
particularly, it seems, in 2023. You know, the weather is so unpredictable that you can't defy Mother Nature, can you? You can't defy the weather. So everything will be crossed there. You know, it's been discussed on the pod already this week with Ancient Wisdom and Diego Velasquez with James Doyle riding both both in the field. Uh, that That's a little bit of intrigue to start with in terms of the Godolphin versus Coolmore-Godolphin uh, clash. Yeah, cracking race in prospect. And we've heard from Roger Teal and David Menuisier and others this week about their chances in the race. And if you like God's window in this, who is currently an eight to one fourth favourite, then you have to like the horse that only finished a tick behind God's window last time at Doncaster. And that horse is trained by a man who's had four winners from his last eight runners, has had a very good season, is showing himself to be extremely adept at training winners over jumps and on the flat as well. And in this Cameco Futurity Stakes, he runs a horse called Red Hot Whisper. I got the Red Hot Whisper from Ben Brookhouse, the trainer, a little earlier on today. Yeah, um, we've always known he wanted soft ground. Um, His work on soft ground has been a hell of a lot better than his work on good to firm ground. Um, And... Like I said, he's just he is just progressing. Um, I was actually on the phone to, to Dad this morning, and I think I think physically he's twenty percent better than he was when he went to Doncaster for the fifty grand maiden, and mentally I think he's thirty percent better. So, you know, I'm hoping to see a similar performance to what we saw in the maiden at Doncaster, but in a better company. I I, I don't think he'll be too far behind. God's Windows, the horse who beat you in the maiden, and here you are up against one another again. How much confidence does it give you that the Gosdens have have gone here with with that horse as well? Does it make you think, well, I'm I must be getting something right here? Yeah, well, look, every everything is new to me. It's still, you know, I got my license middle of December last year. Um, I've never really dealt with a Group One horse before, other than when I worked at you know Jim Bolger's and Hugo Palmer's, but um, I wasn't involved with the entry stage and the planning stage. Um, and, you know, I could quite happily tell you about National Hunt horses, but when it comes to very good flat horses, I'm a little bit lost. But, you know, we just keep me here to the ground, keep a look on the computer and see what comes available. And the Futurity was the last sort of group race I could run him in towards the end of this season as a two-year-old. Um, and I'm glad I entered him in it, like I said, because once the entry's closed, half the field was in the Futurity. Um, I know Jane ran her horse in can't think of the name of the race at New, Newcastle, Newmarket, sorry. Um, and it finished behind Ghost Rider, the Royal Lodge, I think it is. Um, and that finished behind Ghost Rider. Um, and, you know, God's Window, the first thing they said after the race, and the rumours were before the race that God's Window is a very, very nice animal. Um, and there was no disgrace in being second to it by any means. Um, but I think, you know, if there was a horse in front of God's Window there was a very good chance that Red Hot Whisper would have gone by God's window. I only think that. I can't 100% tell you that for sure. Um, but that's the kind of mentality the horse has. He said he's, he's still a bit of a baby. Um, but I think he's matured a lot for Doncaster. It was just the right run that he needed at just the right time of his career as a two-year-old. Uh, you've got a horse in the listed race as well at, um, at Doncaster, Global Skies, who's been who's been doing really well, really nice two-year-old. And you look at the pedigree of this horse and you think, well, surely we're just scratching the surface, aren't we? By Mondi Elise out of a Sea of the Stars mare? Yeah, we, we, we try and source some nice jumpers from the breeze up sales um, because if you try and buy a good-looking horse anywhere, it's going to cost money. 
or that the breeze upsells, if it's a good look, if it doesn't matter how good looking it is, if it's slow, there's a, there's a bit of a lack of interest in it. Um, and we bought Sarsen's Risk and Gozo from the Craven before. Um, you know, when I was at Ian Williams, we also saw Stancing in Paris from there as well, same sale as Gozo. And he was one of the three that I had marked down um, to go jumping. <laughs> and, you know, we started him off over seven because his work had been pretty good with Red Hot Whisper, but he'd shown a bit more speed. Um, but he'd also shown that his head is a little bit fragile. Um, he was too keen at Yarmouth, so we stepped him back to six on testing ground, which Mondialiste, on on all form shown, seemed to love. And he, he won at Haydock and got the bonus. He had a nice race course gallop at Nottingham, shall we say. Um, we, he wasn't 100% tuned going there, but we, we've turned the screw back on with him um, and tried to prime him as ready as we can for the six furlong listed race, hopefully, that's on, on bottomless ground at Doncaster. It is amazing. I've looked through about six generations of this horse's pedigree. There's not a sprinter anywhere to be found, really. Uh, and they're all like extreme stayers or jumpers. It's the family of Behera and Berejan, old Aga Khan family as well. It is amazing how they confound you. Is there a possibility that he will actually get a trip in due course and live up to his pedigree? I hope so. You know, he, you, he, he, he's running over sprint trips, but he's running over sprint trips on, on tough ground. So the two things with the horse is, as you said, he is a stayer. He keeps going. He's bred to be a stayer. His mother's a half-sister to a bumper and a two-mile-two hurdle winner. Um, but he just needs to learn to relax. So the early pace of the six furlong races suit him better than the early pace of the sevens. Um, but the stamina test at the end is what he thrives at, which is where the finish line is, and he wins his races. Um, hopefully, you know, he's had a busy two-year-old career for a horse that's got a future. So hopefully after, well, will be after whatever happens this weekend. If he gets abandoned, he'll probably go home for a holiday. And when he comes in, he'll have a nice, chilled mentality. Um, you know, he was only bought from the breeze-ups in May. Um, and we castrated him pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, we'll bring him back in later on as a three-year-old and we'll school him, which will help him relax. And hopefully you'll see him turn up in a juvenile hurdle somewhere as well as winning on the flat over... You know, a mile and a quarter, but he's no—he's not too far different. Do I still have faith? You know, he's bred to be a sprinter, and he's running over a trip. Uh, you run a horse in a in a bumper at Cheltenham tomorrow called Martin Plage or Martin Plage, I suppose. Uh, a horse that cost a lot of money at the Aintree sale. Well, I say a lot of money. I guess by today's boutique sale standards, one hundred and ten thousand is kind of an average price. But anyway, it's a lot of money to most people, and uh, he's a horse with a with a nice pedigree, with a a, a, a decent point to point run behind him. Um, how good is he? Um, we think he's very very nice. Um, he definitely would enjoy soft ground. He's definitely got an engine. Um, mentally, he's a very nice person to deal with, and he's a very nice horse to ride. He can get a little bit of ahead of himself at times, but that is what can happen training jumpers out of Newmarket. Um, he had a small setback a couple of weeks ago, but he's as fit as a flea. You know, he'd been working with Bretchen Castle. Bretchen had been working all over him, um, but he, it's a four-year-old matching strides with a five-year-old that obviously has a lot of class. We think he's quite nice. Um, he has the mentality for a Cheltenham bumper, but it's only his first, you know, dipping his toe in the water, for, for, for se. So it, whatever he does, I'd like to think he'll build on. The one thing he won't build on is fitness because he is as fit as a flea. So we're hoping that he, he's, he's bang there. You know, I, I discussed this with Jack Quinlan yesterday. Um, he's actually in the outdoor school at the minute doing flat work, Martin. But um, he should be on the bridle at the bottom of the hill. From, from there, the rest is up to him and Jack. 
Ben Brookhouse there. High hopes for Martin Plage and the bumper at Cheltenham. We'll certainly be on the bridle at the bottom of the hill, he said. After that, who knows? And Red Hot Whisper probably shouldn't be four times the price of the horse that beat him last time. Uh, Cornelius Lysett is back with me. He made a very impressive start, Ben Brookhouse, under under both codes and sort of humble enough to, to say that he's still learning about the flat racing game. But he, he's made a pretty good fist of learning by the by the looks of it. And and clearly he's got some fabulous backing. Uh, his dad having been one of the one of the best known owners around, uh, particularly in jumping, but in flat racing as well for some time. But as we all know, you know, you can have all the support in the world, uh, whether it's moral or financial or whatever. Uh, you still got to get it right. And it is really striking how he is getting it right. And I, I know what people have been impressed by with him is this expression, the target trainer, talking about uh, having a target for, for some time. Uh, I think he was very keen to win the um, to win the derby for jump jockeys at Epsom. Uh, and he had that as a plan from some way out. Dad Roger would be delighted being one of the shrewdest business people around. But uh, clearly, pl- plenty of um, plenty of his acumen has, has rubbed off on his son when it comes to racing. So maybe the Futurity not a two-horse race. If he does go to Newcastle on Friday, however, then the top two will need new jockeys because Buick and Doyle will both be in America, as will Ryan Moore, of course. We know Frankie de in America, so it'll be a, a good opportunity on Diego Velasquez for somebody. Uh, perhaps Jamie Heffernan or uh, somebody like that. And it'll be a good opportunity uh, on Ancient Wisdom if they choose to run on the all-weather later in the week. Uh, and the weather does, as you say, Cornelius seem to have uh, played a significant amount of havoc. Uh, I actually noted in a little thing I was writing this week, uh, the late, very colourful and magnificent multi-clerk of the course, Hugo Bevan, who was a big, big clerk of the course player in the 1970s, 80s and 90s. He used to joke that he'd rowed a boat on all of his four racecourses. Uh, so he'd rowed a boat uh, at Huntingdon. He'd rowed a boat on the racecourse at Toaster, which um, uh, the now defunct Toaster that he ran. And he'd rowed a boat at Windsor and Worcester, which he ran as well. And they all had winter jumping in those days. And that was the, in those days a joke. But there is nothing joking about it nowadays, is there? It, it, it is happening on such a regular basis. And racing's a sort of microcosm, I think, for for how things have changed. It, it offers food for thought and also food for thought for racing. You know, racing will have to react to how the weather change, uh, is changing things. Well, accordingly, it's Ben Brookhouse talking there about his, his runner in the bumper at Cheltenham tomorrow. As I've said on many an occasion this week, and we've spoken to a number of the leading protagonists, Cheltenham and Aintree, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, cracking fixtures. Uh, what are you particularly looking forward to? There is something about the iconic status of Cheltenham uh, to the National Hunt world that makes this uh, this two-day fixture, Friday and Saturday, it's the first of, I think, 16 days, first two of 16 days at uh, Cheltenham between now and they continue after the festival and between now and next May. Uh, and the anticipation ahead of uh, the first two days at Cheltenham has been enormous, whether it's amongst those who go, and there are plenty who love going to a meeting like this because it's not quite as frenetic as some of the bigger ones, but also there'll be um, many hundreds of thousands of people following on uh, from afar. 
There is no trainer in better form than Sam Thomas. Another winner at Carlisle yesterday with a, a very nice horse as well. Good risk at all. A horse you'll know well, but jumped beautifully. And that was one of four winners in the last fortnight for the trainer, who's had just six runners in that period, uh, one of whom was Stolen Silver, who won the big handicap chase at Chepstow uh, a week or two ago, and aboard whom the trainer um, joins me now. Uh, how, how is Stolen Silver? Feeling good this morning, Sam? Yeah, good. He hasn't quite taken off with me just yet. So, uh, yeah, he pretty much does what he wants every day, Nick. But, uh, yeah, he's a legend, fair play. It was lovely to see him uh, stay that trip. It was a bit of a fact-finding mission. And, um, yeah, it just opened up so many doors. And, and, and subsequently, we stuck him in the, the, the Coral Gold Cup. Um, and also the Paddy Power, should it sort of come up bottomless as a, as a, as a sort of potential backup. But, yeah, the main aim is, is, is the Coral Gold Cup now. I mean, every respected ratings organisation, Timeform Racing Post, have got him running a career best by, by quite a way as well, which is quite something at the age of eight on your 25th lifetime start. Yeah, no, I think, you know, as I, as I sort of get more experience with this job, you see these horses like, you know, I will do it was the same when they come into their sort of eight, nine, ten, and even into their teens, they're, they're only sort of potentially coming to their, to their peak, if you like, so... Um, and certainly now he's gone and done that over three miles. I wouldn't be surprised if there's plenty more to come. And it's just it's nice that build a bit of a rapport, rapport with these horses. I've been here, you know, he's been here since I've been I've been here working for Mr. Walters, and yeah, it's a pleasure to watch these horses come on year after year. Horse that won yesterday, good risk at all, has always had a, a big reputation and, and has had uh, form to match. Jivinko was all all the rage going into to yesterday. We spoke to Lucinda Russell on on, on the podcast 24 hours ago. He departed when the race, I guess, was still on. But how happy was Charlie Deutsch with your horse at the time? Yeah, Charlie said he uh, had plenty left, as did uh, Stephen McQueen. So we'll never know. But um, I think we all got, all we've got to do is take the positives out of how well our lad jumped. Um, again, he's getting a bit older. He's actually settling a lot more at home. Um, he's a three miler, really. I'd, I'd say Nick, you know. But um, one thing I think I'm probably learning about him is he doesn't want these sort of big field handicaps. You know, the hustle and bustle. He likes to be able to sort of poodle along at his own speed, if you like. And he's proved that twice around Carlisle now, when he can just travel away uh, within his comfort zone. Like he, he, he's well able to then put in a good performance. So um, the Winter Millions card later on in the season that might be a bit of a target. Um, some of those sort of tracks, you know. I'm not saying we'll never go to. The big uh, handicaps again, but certainly as, as history's gone, it sort of doesn't seem to suit him. Uh, Al Dancer can go to a big track and he can run well around there as well. He he, he started the season in, in really good form at, at Chepstow. Uh, he goes to the old Roan chase on, on Sunday. It looks a hot race. How hopeful are you? Uh, well, look, I think uh, we've just got to take our chance. He's, he's 10. He's, he's not getting any younger. He's in, he's in his uh, form, form of his life again. Nick is up to his career high, high best mark. So, I just thought we need to sort of, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Effectively, we were sort of going to Chepstow for a prep run for the uh, Sefton, um, and uh, obviously we'll never begrudge a winner. But there's certainly a lot of improvement to be had out of him fitness-wise for that. So uh, that sort of went out the window. I think, uh, like I say, while he is in the form of his life, uh, be silly not to go and uh, have a go at a, you know have a go at a top race. And you started the season in, in terrific form, as I said. You've only run a handful of horses, but. An awful lot of them have run well and, and plenty have won. I, I know last season you, you said that, you know, things just didn't quite click, but still the results were pretty good. Yeah, no, we bagged a few big big Saturday winners and, um, you know, I, I wasn't making any excuses, but we had horses that were sick for months, um, you know, and, and you never quite know, even though horses may seem healthy and, and they weren't showing any signs, they, they, they were sort of, 
potentially uh, feeling the effects of whatever was lingering as well. So certainly weren't at their best last season. But yeah, we, we, we managed to uh, keep our head above water. And um, if anything, the horses that sort of didn't have good seasons have, have had a really good rest over the summer. They're healthy now. And uh, it's just great for the whole yard, Nick, really to have a bit of, um, you know, a bit of atmosphere, a bit of buzz about the place and something to look forward to for the season. All right, that was Sam Thomas. Good luck to him with his runners over the weekend. Cornelius, some um, oddities to, to note from yesterday and a couple of very near misses that could have resulted in some quite significant accidents. Happily, they didn't. Uh, but action will have to be taken and has been taken in one case at both Ludlow and Carlisle. Should we start at Ludlow first? Yeah, Dara Davis is a £7 claiming conditional jockey. Got a 21-day ban after a... a, a a chaotic incident in the mayor's and obviously's hurdle towards the end uh, of the day, two miles, five furlongs, the race. Uh, every, everything was going fine and they started the swing for home. Uh, he was on a horse called Fire Bell. Uh, they started the swing for home and Dara Davidson, I wouldn't have thought it's the first time this has happened at Ludlow. He he went to take the wrong course, so he needed to go uh, wide-ish. Uh, and uh, not go up the inside of the track. He went to go on the wrong course, realised his mistake, and in trying to correct himself, uh, he took out a horse called uh, Van Hallers of um, Kim Bailey's, uh, ridden by David Bass, who was uh, unseated. Uh, it was it, it was a spectacular fall. Happily, he was uh, fine after that. Then the, the horse uh, was angled out to try and get onto the right course, uh, went into a, a plastic rail. Um, great news, they're, they're plastic these days. And then for a period of time, and this is well worth, uh, because everyone is absolutely fine at the end of this, so it is well worth watching again for the dramatic, it was probably only a split second, but he was sort of riding another horse um, ridden by Tom Bellamy called uh, Kits Cotty for a period of time. So he almost sort of was squeezed between the rail that was flaying and this horse, uh, Kits Cotty. So for a time, was almost sort of taken along as though he was surfing. Uh, uh, and then he hit the deck, as did Tom Bellamy uh, from the horse. It was a, a dramatic incident. Uh, the stewards obviously inquired. Uh, he was going to uh, take the wrong course. Look, he at one stage was uh, looking like he was going to take the wrong course. Uh, and uh, he represented himself. Uh, he did get the option, I see in the stewards' report, to be uh, to be accompanied by somebody else, but he decided to um, speak for himself in the stewards' inquiry, uh, and they found he was uh, guilty of improper riding and that he was going to take the wrong course, so he got a 21-day ban. He's a, a young rider, ridden a couple of winners this year, been around a couple of stables with Fergal O'Brien now, uh, and um, it, uh, it's all part of the learning process, but He'll, he's probably thinking today it's quite a steep part of that learning process. Certainly a dramatic incident. That was at Ludlow. And then did you see the Carlisle one? Uh, tell me what happened at Carlisle. One of the ground staff nearly got mown down. Well, did did get uh, did get um, hit by uh, another of the uh, by one of the runners uh, in the race. It's like quite difficult looking at it to see exactly why he did what he did. But this was at uh, this was again a race towards the end of the day um, at Carlisle yesterday. Um, and um, he had been under the, the member of grand staff involved, who it should be emphasised has not been seriously injured, but it could have been nasty, was sort of under the starter's rostrum. And as the starter sent them on their way, um, he ran across the course and across the runners. 
and um, got got um, certainly got kicked by one of those runners uh, during the race, Yukon Falls. Um, and um, he was very fortunate not to have been more seriously hurt because it was a big field of uh, runners in that race. I think the rider of Yukon Falls had the fright of his life uh, as well. Uh, but that, no doubt, is an incident which uh, will be referred uh, by the stewards at Carlisle onto the British Horse Racing Authority for for further um, investigation. But two dramatic incidents which just demonstrate how the jump season is going. Of course, it's all happening in the winner's enclosure at Cheltenham, but also during the races. And in that case, at Carlisle, at the start of a race, there's plenty of rough and tumble as well. Not normally, though, involving ground staff. Well, the result of the 3.45 at Clonmel yesterday wouldn't normally cause us to raise an eyebrow, but it was not only a first victory for the horse concerned House Martin, trained by the great Edward O'Grady, um, veteran of so many wonderful horses and grade one victories over the years, but it was also a first success for young Josh Williamson, 17-year-old son of one of the modern greats himself in Norman Williamson. Uh, I'm really pleased to say that uh, Edward O'Grady joins me now from his base. That must have given everybody a, a massive thrill, Edward. I haven't heard, I haven't seen people get so much pleasure out of a win, uh, or myself for that matter, for a very long time. Um, it, it was really special because um, Josh is the same age as my daughter, Rosie. And all summer when, when she was riding, the two of them were having a competition. Which of them would ride the first winner? Um, but I won't let my daughter ride over hurdles. And um, anyway, she she rides this horse work and she recommended to me that um, that Josh might get the ride on him. So um, it was very much a family effort. You know, I bred the horse, trained the horse. And Josh is a sort of a... I suppose if you did a pedigree, he'd appear somewhere on the page, you know, um, through through the family. And uh, this, he, he gave it a smashing ride. He's had plenty of rides as it is, but he only qualified for a license on um, on Monday because he had his first ride in a point to point on Sunday, and that gave him the necessary requirements or whatever it is to get a, a license to ride over hurdles. So um, it was absolutely super the way it went. And uh, we were thrilled. And must have brought back so many happy memories also of the winners that you trained that, that his father, Norman, rode and often rode, rode quite beautifully. Well, I mean, we, we had some great successes together. Um, I, was, I was upset to see him retire because... Um, we had a great rapport between each other. Uh, but it's quite funny, too, that Norman rode his first winner in Clonmel, and he also rode it on a grey horse. And uh, here we had um, a snap with, with, with Josh doing the same thing yesterday. So it was, it was great fun. And you, you've seen so many of the best down the years. You, you look at this guy yesterday, he's clearly bred for the job, uh, and he's won on his first ride under rules. Uh, has he got a has he got a serious future in the game? Do you think? Well, he you know he he was I think he was a gold medalist, um, a bit like Safi Osborne. I think he was a gold medalist in the uh, pony pony um, eventing scene in Europe. 
Um, so he's obviously a very good young horseman. Um, and I don't think you get a better coach than his dad. And uh, he rides out every morning for Gordon Elliott. And he seems he seems very ambitious. Um, so all he wants now is a little bit of luck. And um, please goodness, he'll, he'll, he'll do very well. The only, the only upsetting thing was yesterday. It was very funny. Uh, um, Josh's granny was there, uh, Trish Hyde. But Timmy had been away for the weekend and he's looking forward to going racing today, I think, to Sligo. So he decided he wouldn't go to Clonmel yesterday. So he was very upset. Um, so we had to make it up for him with dinner last night. Well, I, I hope the dinner went off with a swing. He did, actually. It, it, it did. We had, we had great fun. And... Um, there's a lady, uh, Veronica Spicer, who owns Half Shale and the Horse with me. And it was her first winner as well. And um, so she was equally equally chuffed, needless to say. It's the first horse she's had. And um, so it, was, it, ticked, it ticked the boxes all around, which was super. Edward, brilliant, brilliant result. Thanks so much for talking to me. Pleasure indeed. Thank you much for the calling. Well, not only is today the first uh, day of Cheltenham's showcase meeting, which continues tomorrow, Saturday, but it's also one of a number of shared ownership days that are being run by the Racehorse Owners Association this year. And to tell us more, I'm joined by the ROA's Louise Norman. Louise, just tell us exactly what you're what you're trying to do with these days. So the, the shared ownership days were a concept that came out of some work that the ROA had done a couple of years ago. Um, and the initiative was proposed and worked alongside Great British Racing as the promotional marketing arm of, of our industry. And effectively, what we've done is we've set up a, an, the ability to showcase shared ownership. It's one of the fastest growing vehicles of ownership across racing, and therefore to create opportunities, show and demonstrate the accessibility into racehorse ownership has been a critical part of this collaborative work. So what can we do today if we go to Cheltenham today and are interested in venturing maybe for the first time into racehorse ownership or changing the way we own racehorses or getting involved in syndicates? What have you got to offer? So today there are multiple, around about 10 different syndicate offerings that are all being showcased in the Hall of Fame at Cheltenham today and tomorrow across the racing. Tomorrow we've got a parade of three horses across the Cheltenham Racing Club. There's competitions being held and it's about getting out there and talking to enthusiasts, those that are on course, and really showing that there is an option for everybody to take that next step into, into ownership and that it is accessible. Um, so the teams are on hand. We've got the ROA team in place. The In the Paddock um, team will be there to demonstrate and showcase the website, which is a great accessibility tool to finding out what syndicate offerings are, are sort of near you. It's that start of the journey and it, it, it's just effectively showing and demonstrating that there is an option for everybody. I know you'll be at Ascot again on the 24th and 25th of November. Just tell me a little bit about your Christmas gifting campaign. So the Christmas gifting campaign is about um, showing again the accessibility and offering shares at affordable prices into the ownership realm and opening up that opportunity to take your enthusiasm for British racing onto the next step and then opening up the doors to getting involved. So that, that gifting campaign is being run by Great British Racing and there'll be offers on the table um, to purchase shares 
whether it's a club sort of a setup or a syndicate um, arrangement. All right. Thanks, Louise. Thanks to all my guests today. Cornelius is with me uh, this Friday morning. Cornelius, have you got a tip for me? Well, um, a cu- couple of things just to um, to think about very quickly. First of all, um, I do recommend in the um, trade newspaper today, if you're thinking about a 12 to follow competition in the months ahead and what you'll be putting in, there's a stable tour with Venetia Williams. And I know you've talked about Long Presse on the, the mm. podcast this week, but um, it's always a thing on these occasions, isn't there? Um, is, is a horse going to run in enough races to make it worthwhile putting that horse into a 12 to follow. I love this quote about Lompresse. You've got to have the Gold Cup as the pinnacle this season, but there are lots of nice races between now and then. So uh, that has certainly whetted the appetite as far as uh, Lompresse is concerned. Uh, that on top of the whetting of the appetite from the owner that uh, I heard on the podcast earlier on in the week. Um, I think it's a magnificent two days at uh, Cheltenham coming up. I will certainly be looking out for a horse this afternoon in the amateur riders, the Close Brothers Amateur Jockeys Handicap Chase at 4.30. Always interesting to see which Irish amateurs, crack Irish amateurs as they call them, uh, are coming over to Cheltenham to ride a British horse. And I'm a big fan of Finn Maguire, son of Adrian Maguire, who rides a horse with some interesting form, um, number 12, Innis Free Lad in the 4.30 at Cheltenham. However, uh, for the tip, I'm going to follow, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I talked about Nigel Twiston Davis being in cracking form at the moment in the 135 race, not actually ridden by Sam because it's a conditional jockey's race. Finn Lambert, the excellent Finn Lambert. So it's all Finns today. It's Finns at Doncaster and it's all Finns at Cheltenham, I think. Uh, but uh, in that first race, Finn Lambert riding number 16, Shetland Tony is my big hope. Well, let's hope you won't need your fins tomorrow at Doncaster and that the meeting goes ahead. Uh, thanks to all my guests today. Cornelius, thank you. Uh, we will be back, of course, tonight from nine o'clock with the Saturday edition. And I'll be back with you on Monday. We'll see you then. Bye bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.